Hello again, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode contains a completely new interview with different directors discussing the most popular and interesting films and television of the day. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Stephen Gagan's new adventure drama, Gold. Based on true events, the film stars Matthew McConaughey as Kenny Wells, a businessman who teams up with a geologist to search for gold deep in the uncharted jungles of Indonesia. After making the find of the century, their operation draws the unwanted attention of both the FBI and the Indonesian military. In addition to gold, Mr. Gagan's credits include the feature films Syriana and Abandon, and the movies for television White City and Metro. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Mr. Gagan spoke about the challenges of making gold with director Sam Esmail. Listen on for highlights from their conversation, including discussions about designing the look of Matthew McConaughey's character, how the production recovered from a torrential rainstorm that destroyed two of their main sets in Thailand, and Mr. Gagan's decision to shoot on multiple formats, including on 35mm film using the Ari Alexa camera. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you for coming down here, Stephen. Yeah, say thank you to Sam. I've never done this, so I'm a little terrified. You guys have, I hope, seen the show Mr. Robot, which, uh, I mean, like kind of my favorite show. I actually wrote Sam a fan man, a fan letter. I wrote him a fan letter, a, a cold fan letter he over the transom. The, he did, and it was, he did. but yeah. it's from Stephen Gagan, you know what I mean? It's a little, it's a little crazy. Um, I got so before we get into this, I mean, it's this is what I want to talk about. This movie, I, I, you know, I was saying to this, I was saying to, uh, to Stephen this, to to Stephen earlier that it's this drama that's not. It's not like eating your vegetables drama. You know what I mean? It's it's like a th it end like the third act. You're like, holy, fuck, what the fuck is going on? And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in this thriller, and. And th and that's the feeling I got when I saw Syriana for the first time in Traffic, and, and I'm just there's this weird genre that you've sort of invented this smart drama thriller drama that Oscar drama that's entertaining but should be boring but it absolutely isn't. What is that? What is it about that that you love? What is it that resonates with you about that? It's probably some kind of sickness. Um, <laughs> I mean, we always, we were talking about it briefly back. I was telling them this this story that happened recently it was like um, a friend of mine who's a producer I've known forever, and he's a really smart guy. And he was talking with a head like this, this heads of a studio, and they were saying they wanted to do a movie about a subject matter that I think is really interesting. But anyway, there was this, they wanted to do about about guns. And he said that he called me up because I just had the craziest conversation. I was they were talking about this thing, guns. And they said, well, we want it to be kind of like Traffic. You know the movie Traffic? We'd like it to be a little... And, then they, and he goes, then they referenced Syriana. But then we'd also like to be a little bit like Syriana. And he said, I, in the middle of it, I stopped. And I said, you know, 
I actually was just talking with this guy, Steve Gagan, like a week ago. He was in my office, and we were gonna make, we were talking about maybe doing a movie. I could call him, and they were like, oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> right, because it's like, it's, like, it's like, the thing is, you don't dumb it down at all. I mean, they're really smart movies. You don't like... You don't have to. You don't feel the need to condescend or you know come up with like you know call the bad guys evil corp. You don't do anything stupid like that. You do. You you straight up keep it on I this high that. intelligent, um, but yet it's 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 just really entertaining. So like, I mean, is there is there and it's always like a blend of truth, like uh, reality. I mean, it's very grounded. Um, I think probably it, you know if you I mean I don't know where it comes from exactly like from a writing perspective per se, but I know like, you know, from just films I loved, like when I think back on a lot of my favorite films, you know, it's probably movies like, you know, Battle of Algiers and Wages of Fear and like, you know, like Wages of Fear is a perfect film, you know, like I just, I just, I love movies that, I love all the president's men, you know, I love those, those kind of, I guess I like, I, I like I like systems, you know. Anything where you get to look at a system, I think, and I think that that's a kind of under. <sighs> I don't know why I do it. That's the. I mean, well, I keep, no well, why don't you talk a little bit about? I, I don't do talk a little often. bit about gold. Like, how did how did you find it? How did you get, how did it come to you? Um, I knew the writers uh, when I was going to maybe do a TV series. I'd met them. Um, they they were on Friday Night Lights. I'd get together with them every so often for coffee, and they'd say they were working on this movie. And then there would be updates, you know, like Michael Mann's going to make our movie about gold prospecting. And I'd be like, that's awesome. And then it'd be like, oh, Michael Mann's not. And then it'd be like, Christian Bale's going to do our movie. I'm like, that's awesome. And then it's like, oh, he's not. You know, it's, movies take a long time to get going. This guy, this guy directed, he just was talking about, he directed 80, he did. 80 days of shooting. He directed every single episode. Of, and uh, how many did you? Huh? 55. 55. Yeah. I had I, to do I told 12 him that hours. At the end of the third yeah. season of Mr. Robot, he was going to be he was going to be Alfred Hitchcock. That <laughs> <laughs> like just that level of like getting to make something and just getting to do it over and over and over. Um, but I would rather have 55. Just to, just to you know, put it on the record, I'd rather have 55 days per two hours. Um, yeah. If USA is listening. Oh um, yeah, that's ten hours. <laughs> Remember, I I got a yeah. It's a lot more pages per day. You know, there were I mean? some. You know, there were some days we shot. I mean, it was cr crazy. We had one seven scene day, and I and I was joking. I was like, not since peak period Matlock has anyone knocked out the page. Wait a minute, because this is actually one of my questions. Because you know, because I directed all the episodes in the second season, we did a lot of block shooting, and which is fucking insane. Because we're we're not just shooting. Seven, we're shooting like seven episodes a day. So scenes from, By the you know, way, we had the same problem, but it was because of weather. I mean, trying to shoot in Thailand. The, the bar scene, though. Did you shoot all that in like one day and just jam it out? Like, did or did you have like a couple of days to do that? You had a couple of days, didn't you? Um, we really had one incredibly long day, and, and did then, all the bar scenes. And then we, and then we had like a spillover, a kind of spillover day. And when we got done with, and that was half a day. And we actually lost Robert Ellswit. We, he disappeared, and we we'd moved An to another. We had moved to another location, uh, we had the American Home. We were shooting the outside. That that first exterior shot of the American Home, I actually I did that without Robert, which is very unusual because he had fallen asleep in the back of a van after the because the bar is so beautifully lit, and he 
I mean, he really was just doing this incredible, I think, incredible lighting in there. And, um, and yet we were really doing a lot of pages. It, it was challenging. And like, can you just talk a little bit about like working with Matthew and because he's obviously just transformed himself yet again and has given himself this weird bulb. And, yeah. Get comfortable. Settle in. <laughs> um, guys aren't leaving any guard. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for staying. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> Matthew had a lot of really, you know, because it's all DGA. It's like, you know, sometimes, um, you know, how a character is going to look and, 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 and seem is a, is a huge discussion. And sometimes actors come and they have like a really strong idea of what he should look like. And in this instance, Matthew, he really was basing it on people he knew growing up. Um, and he had a clear vision in his mind. You know, he wanted the weight. He wanted him to pick it up. Uh, originally, we, we thought we were going to maybe use a fat suit. And we had one built. And it was, I mean, it was the worst fat suit in the history of fat. It was like, it was honestly, it was like, I could do a better job with pillows and like this coat. I mean, it came from England with like a fat suit delivery man. And and it was expensive. And, and then we, we put it on. And it just ripped. And it was because he'd already gained probably 20, um, 25 pounds uh, just on his own. And then, you know, and then we talked a lot. We were in Thailand and we had a whole variety of hair pieces and we had the sort of teeth and like the teeth when they first showed up, they were really aggressive. Like it would have just been a movie about teeth. And um, so I was kind of secretly going to fizz at night, like unbeknownst to anyone, I would... I would go in and see her, uh, who's doing the doing the hair and makeup for him, and I would, I would just beg her to shave to to file down the teeth at night, like so that no one would know, because the tooth was like it was just it was like this is gold the tooth movie you know gold, and and she just subtly kept changing it overnight, and it nobody really noticed, but it kept getting smaller. I mean. <sighs> The entire cast, like Edgar Ramirez and Stacey Keach and Bryce Dallas, do you how do you work how do you work with actors? Do you do a lot of takes? Do you do you let them give you feedback on scripts, or are you like military militant about it? It's it's a super wide range. Um, <clears throat> you know, everyone's different, and like it's it's actually a su it's very interesting in this movie. Edgar Ramirez is, a, I think, a wonderful actor, and his process is 180 degrees different than Matthew McConaughey's. They're, they're completely different as actors. One is extremely external. One is extremely internal. One is sort of about hearing the, you know, trying to hear his thoughts. The other is like very out front and is, you know, in the way they were doing their character. It, it, it suited the characters, you know, in this instance, um, like kind of perfectly. But, but it's an absolutely different process. Like, you know. Edgar, you know, Edgar, like, he doesn't, like, he's never seen a mark that he likes to, like, notice, you know, it just, it doesn't, marks don't exist, like, it's just, oh, the mark, you know, and, and you're just, like, doing setups, like, a lot of times in very long lenses, and, you know, things are super designed, and so, it's just, if you, you know, the mark is important, I mean, the mark it's matters. a little important, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but he's doing if something. If he wants to be on but camera. It, but it's, like, if he's thinking about the mark. He's not, he's not doing the thing. And when he's not thinking about the mark, the thing is magic. So you're just constantly adjusting. And Matthew's the exact opposite. You know, he, it's like he has an absolute setup in his mind. He knows how it's working once he sees it and gets it. Um, in terms of preparation, you know, like Bryce, you know, she was 
playing someone who really is like a hard drinker who is a barmaid. And she told me, you know, she had the role and we were actually, my son is here and we, we, my son Gardner is here. <clears throat> he actually, on the drive here, he said there were two things he wouldn't talk about no matter what. And I was like, what are they? And he said, number one, whether or not we're a simulation. And number two is Donald Trump. <laughs> and then he and then he talked about simulation for 25 minutes. Um, but anyway, he was there when Bryce came to. We got together for the first time in uh, Albuquerque, and and she told me she'd never had a drink in her whole life, not a sip of alcohol, not one drop, not one drop. Never tasted it. Never smoked a cigarette. I mean, it took me like four days to get over my shock because I'd never met anyone like that. And then you know we had to we had to build that up from the ground floor. Now, we didn't have that problem with Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> but so on set, I'm just I don't curious. know if I answered the no, question. No, you, you did, it, you it's did. Just, it's just super specific, but it's my favorite, probably my favorite part of the process. Do you, are you, so you're, so you're in the scene, you're shooting it, they're doing it, they're doing it not what you wanted, you know? Do you yell during the take? Do you cut in the middle of a take? Do you let the take? Like, how do you? What's your What's your approach? Oh. I'm a yeller, and I've been told that's not great. That's not a great approach. You're a yeller. <laughs> I'm a yeller. I I'm just like, no this and that and blow and then you know and then and then there are times where I'm just like, you know, it's not right. It's like totally wrong. But I kind of want to see what happens. You know. Yeah. That's in, that's interesting. I and love that. <laughs> I can see that actually. I am, um, and I never cut. It's do it's, you do you cut? Do you because I roll takes. I just do it again and again and again. Um, sometimes I do that. Uh, I do that a fair amount actually. Um, particularly you know, particularly when people are working their way into something and you feel it. But again, like Matthew is a guy who is often he's amazing on his first take. Like he just. His first take sometimes is just you know you don't want you don't need to roll it over it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense you know it's like you you just realize it happened and so you're like great we got it or at least I am but in terms of yelling um, I I think my style of, has evolved a little bit you know that that uh, I think as you do it you know I think I was like learning like what works for me and um, it's it's a really interesting question because I get really frustrated. You know, I get super, super frustrated. I mean, you know how it is. You're, you really want things to go, and you have this vision in your brain. And I mean, even like when <clears throat> he saw the movie, and he wrote me, and he said he really liked it, and it seemed genuine. It made me really, really happy. But <clears throat> you never know how your movies really. You know, I have no idea how the movies really turned out. And it, you know, when we're honest, it's it's it usually it isn't what you imagined. You know, you have this perfection in your head, and you get there, and it's a constant thing and, and on this movie which had moments you know it was some some parts of it were quite difficult you know we had this we had incredible floods in the monsoon we lost we lost our entire set we lost our main set we um these two rivers connected and and we the river rose 35 feet in 24 hours and wiped out 80 percent of our locations in thailand and so it, it just became a different a completely different process for me like for the for the first time in my life i really had to be a total grown-up like it just—it was really hard. Wait, what do you do when you lose all your sets? I mean, what do you? How do you? I would. I mean, how do you not quit and just say, "All right, well, I guess this movie I, isn't getting." Made. I mean, it was—it's it, so incredible to me that people don't notice or, or just go, "What happened?" You know. But it actually—I mean, it, it's hats off to the production. Okay, these guys were nimble and they pivoted, and we 
But I, you know, because we were like an indie film and we were on a really tight schedule, we used, I used my return ticket from Thailand so I wouldn't have to pay the change fee. So I actually got out of Thailand on the same time. But it was just, you know, I'd gone with the way Robert and I work, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm sure you probably, probably work with your, D, your DP too, is just, you know, every day off is scouting no matter what. And you're scouting nonstop, and we get there early, and, you know, we walk through everything just multiple, multiple, multiple times, and, and, and we really sp spend an enormous amount of time figuring everything out. And then it all got, it just all got thrown out, you know. And, and, it, and it got thrown out in the middle of a torrential rainstorm that didn't stop. It didn't stop. So it was just, it was really, um, it, it just, you couldn't, it, it was so astonishing, like, to be in a canoe and realize the roof of your set is 10 feet underwater. Like, it's so astonishing to get in a boat and, like, sail off over the roof of your set in a boat. Like, you just, you feel like you're a Terry Gilliam film. It just makes no sense. And so... Anyway, just to answer your question, you couldn't get angry. It was just, it, you just had to laugh. Really? You couldn't get angry. It was just like, I mean, otherwise if my you're Starbucks like, order you're like, is screwed up, I get really angry. Like, my day's done. I no, can't. you're like, you're like, it's a combo of like Fitzcarraldo, I guess, and then like a gear, Wrath of God. So did you rebuild? I mean, is that what you did? You just, you guys just said, all we right. Had, we had to make this change up. the, we changed every single thing we were doing. So we. Oh, you changed the script. Well, we changed the, well, the script a little bit, but you know, just in terms of our production flow, we went north and went back to to shoot the stuff in the city, and then we, you know, were trying to scout and find new locations at the same time down south in the jungle, and rebuild and find a place to build all the sets and change and you know, and all the jungle work where they walk, all that stuff. Most of it was not reachable anymore because the rivers that we had scouted on were were no longer passable. Do you like location scouting? my ups and downs with it. Do, do you like it? I love sets because I want to control every little thing. I'm a huge, I'm a huge control freak, especially with production design. I, I can see how that, I mean, was that sw the swimming pool in the apartment? That was a, that was a nice big house that we found in New York. In but the, is that in the city? That's in the city. And it's on like the fourth People floor. People have gotten so rich. Yeah. Like it just, have you seen this in this show? I was it's like. Trump's, Trump's house. Yes, yeah, Trump's okay. exactly. Top um, of, top of. But it was a pain in the ass to shoot. I really could only shoot like one way or the other. And I couldn't, and if I had a set, you know, um, I could do, I can put the camera wherever I want. Do you like shooting on location or do I you, do. you do? I really like there, it. There's a realism to it. I think for the types of films, you know, for these films. Yeah. You know, they're so different. You know, the thing you're doing, the thing, they're just, their DNA is quite different. I mean, other than we're both perfectionists, I think. But it's, you know, the, I, I, I found like when you get out there in the world, you know, so much of the writing process for me is research-based, you know, and it's meeting people and kind of seeing where they, they live and trying to go home with them and have drinks with them and like meet their family and then like, you know, wander this way and wander that way. And I think, I think that shooting style just kind of, you know, over the course of all that research and note taking and taking my own pictures everywhere, you just start to really see things you 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 know you want to put the camera there, and and then just from a budget standpoint, like for what we're doing, because yeah. you're moving, you know, it's like 240 different locations or whatever it is. It's just and all the sets are different. You don't ever go back to the same place, or very rarely. Tell me, like, I want I kind of want to know just from because we're at the DGA, I think. I think this is kind of an interesting insight. Like, what do you what do you do the morning of a shoot day? 
do you do you tune out do you are you like i'm not i want to just listen to some music or whatever or do you read the script again the pages you're going to shoot that day and picture the then look at the story what, what do you do i mean if i'm totally honest what i'm doing a lot of times is i'm i'm in the van on the way to the set and i'm sort of scratching out shot lists like i'm kind of like you know because we've made this really detailed plan and i'm just throwing it out like it so just, you, ha you have a shot list i have a plan you're like, the shot list yeah and then usually on the way to the day I, I don't know why this is exactly i just redo it somehow and then i show up and I have like a whole kind of new idea. And sometimes like, and I've worked, you know, like when I was particularly in Syriana, like with Jen Fox, um, she often knew what my other intent was. And so sometimes she would know that the other thing was way better. And then she would catch me and she'd be like, remember that thing you were talking about? And that thing was like, and I'd be like, oh. but, but a lot of times we're just, you know, because it's funny, like as the, and it's different with sets because then you've had an opportunity to walk through them and you know them so well. But like for a lot of the stuff we were doing, it's just so different the first time you ever see your actual actors in their actual costumes in the actual location they're working, you know, and then, and then you, and then you watch them, you know, so I try to get everyone there as early as I can. I don't want people in hair and makeup. I want everyone to get out there. And then basically I want to see what they're going to do because you have, you know, often quite inspired people who are really deeply in it. Like Matthew and Edgar, when we were up in the jungle, they were staying up there. Like they were, you know, we were two and a half hours from anywhere. You had to get up at four in the morning to get up there or you could stay. There were 30-foot Burmese pythons. There were huge spiders. You know, there was nothing around. And those guys were just like, you know, totally like just kind of living it. And then you get there in the morning. They're already there. So I'm just like psyched. So I'm like, all right, let's go to the thing we're going to do and like just let them start doing it. And and, and do, you, just, do you? And do it's you, Robert and, you know, we're sitting there and we're just You're like, just watching. We're just watching. So you don't have a block. You don't, you, you're not I, blocking I in your head. I have 100% have a blocking plan. Like 100%. But you, but you want to see what they're doing. I want to see what they're going to do. And, and, do it, you, and if it's better or if I'm, I think it's got something to it, then I'm, I like to go with that. But then that requires figuring out a whole new system. So usually. And then, okay, so then you do the blocking and then... You're like, this is cool. And then you and Robert go away and you figure out. It's all happening in. While you're watching. The it. flow. You know, wow. like, like with, because with Robert, we've done a couple of movies now and we're like kind of the same in a way where we never leave the set and just like sleep on the set, nap, never leave, never leave for lunch. And like kind of we're always there just thinking about it. And so he's, you know, working on the lighting and trying to figure out how that's all going to fit together. And I'm kind of following him around and messing around with the lenses and just. You know, what do you do on your way home? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm usually really, really wrung out after a day. I'm pretty. I'm just kind of in a bit of a coma. How, how about you? I have to think about the next day. Unfortunately, all I want to do is go home and watch old reruns of John Stewart on Daily Show. But because um, that's usually what I. I I I like to zone out. I like to zone out, I, or I listen to music. Um, but I unfortunately can't do that. I find that often what I have to do a lot of times is I'm I'm tweaking the script. It's just it's always evolving. Do you let the actors um, pitch ideas for the script? I'm open to anything. Like you are. Anybody comes along with a good idea, and 
you know, I've had different experiences. Like I've had, like on Syriana, we didn't really change. Like nobody would change a line of that script unless, you know, like just people were super respectful. And this one, you know, was just a different situation. Matthew works quite differently. You know, he likes to write and come up with ideas, and sometimes they work really well, and sometimes they, they don't work as well, and so you're, you know, kind of crafting a thing on the fly. And it was, you know, I think it's I think it's cool, and sometimes it works unbelievably well, and sometimes you just, you know, you want to, you know, you're worried about it. Let's talk about Robert Ellswit, because he's just a brilliant cinematographer, one one of the best, for sure, out there. He, how do you work with him? Like, so you're done with the blocking, and you're about to figure out what's your first questions you start hitting each other with in terms of the camera? Because your 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 movies are very composed. They're not um, they're not coverage. It's such a strange process. Like, I have to walk you guys through this because it's really weird. So every day off, like any moment we're off, he and I are sitting at a uh, and often also with a production designer. Maria Jerkovich, and we're we're sitting in like in Thailand, for instance, usually at the hotel, drinking whatever they have to drink, you know, like fruit smoothies or whatever. And we're going through everything, like the, you know, and, and and we're making this plan that is so conceptually as deep as we can come up with, and then also very uh, super detailed, you know. And and then sometimes on complex sequences, I have a storyboard artist, and I'm. I'm, we're drawing them, you know, and everything is getting really locked down. And then somehow we just throw all that out, like all of it. Like it, it just gets tossed away. I, I can't explain it. It, it. It's like you have to do that. But then on the day, there's not a ton of talking, you know. It's because we with the same um, camera operator, Colin Anderson, <clears throat> on both those movies and get along with him super well. He's, he's incredibly talented. And we're like like really in sync you know and 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 a lot of times robert just you know because he's an incredible photographer he'll just he'll just have something and he'll have the you know put the lens up on the thing and we look through it and you're just like it's exactly right you know and you don't need a lot of it's just not a lot of messing around and um so it's not so it's not um is it is it uh, here are the shots we need for the scene or is it here's the shot for right now it, it, it's nothing to do with the shots we need for the scene like it would never be like that like That's we're great. missing you know which is not the greatest way to work because sometimes you you literally get home and six months later you're like oh my god we need it we need a close-up and uh <laughs> but but usually it's just about the feeling you know it's about some instinctual thing about the feeling of the scene um th thailand was incredible because you know like you were talking about block shooting we because the way the weather worked and we were outside so much you had Full downpour, light rain, rain with sunshine, uh, partial cloud, overcast, and, and and all of that could happen in the same hour, and so it was impossible to shoot for continuity. So what we had to do was just constantly have four or five scenes running, and just kind of keep in our heads, oh, we still owe that from the rainy sh the rainy scene. Oh, right, that that happened, and we had full sun in that. We got to go back and get the full sun shot we're missing, and we're just you know, on the river with the rafts and the poor set dresser. I mean, this guy, I've never seen a person run more, like running and running and running and then eventually just brought everything because they're changing costumes and changing days and changing and we're just 
you know, sometimes running 10, 12 scenes at the same time, and we're just kind of keeping them in our mind and moving up the river and down the river and across the river and into the woods and up the hill and just, oh my God, is it going to be sunny for the next, you know, and you don't have that on Mr. Robot. <laughs> Wait, I, I, because I, I got the five minute warning, I did want to ask you about the, because you shot this 35 and, and, um, Alexa, right? You shot on digital and, th and film. Yeah, yep. What, yeah. Why did you do that? Well, that was that was part of our. It's really the, it's so fun, like when you're like working with with Robert and and just kind of the earliest conceptual thinking about this film, particularly. We we were talking about, um, you know, what is this film really about? And it's and, and when I was when I was talking with Sam, you know, in, in his show, he has this incredibly faulty or untrustworthy narrator. I mean, he he really messes with our head. And I don't know if you've seen the show, but it's it's like. Not to kiss your ass, but it's truly unbelievably well directed. And it is so amazing that it's on television and he's doing these like Antonioni tricks and things I've never seen. But there's this long sequence where these guys are hanging out at the basketball court, they're talking in a diner, all this stuff's going on, torture's going on, and then you find out the entire thing is actually in prison and it's all been in the guy's mind, and he wasn't telling you the truth. Uh, and no, he, uh, spoiler alert. Yeah, way. sorry. <laughs> and, well, too bad. You should be up to speed on it. Don't miss this show. Anyway, <clears throat> and... And I was saying, like, this movie to me was ultimately about a guy who's telling his own story. And he's, he's like, making a biopic of his own life, telling this FBI guy. And, and the question is, is he telling the truth? You know, is he a trustworthy narrator or not? Is he a guy just trying to get out of trouble? Is he in on it? Is he not in on it? Okay, that's the first thing. Then it's like, all right, since we're seeing the movie through the lens of his mind, how does he see himself? You know, how does he see himself? And then suddenly you start working out like a camera language and, and an approach. You know, you're going to tell the story through the lens, what's going to happen. And, and I'm like, well, when it starts out and it's like way back in the day, he's not quite the man yet. Like his dad's still alive. He's not the man. It's like the camera's very loose. You know, the colors are kind of like a little cheesy. Everything's a little bright. Like he's just like, it's long shots that just play, long two shots. There's kind of happy music. He's like a bit player. Like he's a guy in the crowd and it's just going on. As, and that's all shot with Alexa and shot with uh, anamorphic lenses. And then, but as it segues and his real dream starts to happen, like he falls asleep and now I had a dream. And then I'm like, it's got to be 35 millimeter and it's got to be 35 millimeter anamorphic because he's going to the jungle. Like if we could have shot that, you know, like, you know, David Lean style, I would have, you know, because it's like Kenny is just becoming more and more epic. And so the camera is constant. Now the camera, you know, he's, he's seeing himself in his mind's eye and he's like heroic. You know, everything is shot in a certain way. Even when he's suffering, he's suffering in like a cinematic, like I'm the star of my movie kind of way. There's a, there's that scene. And it's a put on. It's a put on. It's not, anyway. My there's mind, that scene real. when he goes back to those two guys, Clive. Like Clive, he, Clive wouldn't be in the first meeting, but in the second meeting, Clive finally shows up. And you shoot Matthew in that like yeah. low angle kind yeah. of way. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh yeah. And, the, and I love that you go with the guy to get the coffee. Yeah. And then you come back and the scene's done. That was great. Because he's just, he's like, this is my moment. These guys didn't, they didn't know who I was. They didn't, they, they overlooked me. And I made, I made them know that, you know? And how would he, and it's just so like, what would he be thinking? And so like Robert and, and with the production designer, you know, all of, all of every, all the color work and the palette of the film, and then also the design of the shooting was, was really kind of like. It's like a, it's like a, it's like if, imagine, it's not Gandhi, but it's like, 
some guy down the bar with the bar peanuts gets to like have his own biopic and then he starts to tell you his story about himself and it's also great it's that mock heroic. you start the VO and you're like, oh, I guess this is VO. And then you reveal, no, this is a scene in the movie that we're going to pay off later. And you you don't clue us in on that until 30, 30 minutes into the movie, right? Yeah, like like 50, maybe 50 minutes. Oh. Again. Yeah, something like that. It just, it's, I mean, it, it's, it's a... You do these weird, infectious, a, little clever weird. things to... To suck us, like, because again, I'm watching it. Oh, okay, I'm watching just a biopic of this quirky little gold, whatever. Um, and then, and then, and then, all of a sudden, you start playing with structure, and you start, you start pre- playing with thriller elements, because really, that's that's the FBI. That's the, and then all of a sudden, I'm in a different kind of movie. It's how it do is, you it, control the tone of that? How do you control that shift? I mean, I, I hope it works. I mean, I'm, I'm still not even sure. I mean, like, it, it is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a strange, I mean, I get a show of hands. How do you uh, tell? <laughs> but it, it's, it's, a, it's a hard, it, it, was, it, it was very hard to put together in the editing room. It was really challenging tonally. And then I knew also I really wanted to have all that, I wanted to have all those songs. You yeah, know? let's and talk I, about that because I don't, I don't want to not, because the music in this is, is amazing. It's amazing. And, um, and I think you have, a, and the Iggy Pop, you got to talk about, that, can you tell us a little bit about the that song that was towards the end that I, I was telling him I was trying to shazam it I couldn't I couldn't shazam it um, it wouldn't come up and I was getting really frustrated my phone I almost broke it but um, you want to explain why I can't shazam it by the way just take note of this this is the best thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> okay just honestly like the best thing that's ever happened to me you just heard this okay so I, I shazam tons of i might have even stolen some music from your show and put it in the movie i hope i didn't but uh i could have but anyway so we wrote that song that's an that's an original song for the movie and i'd, I'd never written a song or even been involved in it and i it's really danger mouse and my friend but the His composer danger daniel, mouse the composer daniel pemberton and i cooked up a little song because i i wanted this to have a song like the nilsson song in midnight cowboy which is one of my favorite films, and um, actually Schlesinger is one of my favorite directors. And I, I, uh, I, but we didn't. We ran out of time, kind of. And I was just, I wouldn't let it drop. And um, and Brian Burton, Danger Mouse, agreed to help. And so I sent him this mess and the lyrics I'd written, and he was not very impressed. But he uh, he agreed to help. And then we we, you know, he asked me who I thought should sing it, and I kind of was just in my mind thinking of all these different people and he goes because i think iggy pop should sing it and i said me too and uh he picked up his cell he goes you sure and i'm like yeah and he picks up his cell phone calls iggy pop and iggy's like yeah i want to do that and i was like and he hangs up and he goes okay uh so we'll go to miami in like two weeks and uh anyway so we went to miami and we we hold up in this hotel room and he opened up his laptops we're using garage band singing scratch track like you know imagining how iggy might sing it <clears throat> and we and it was so fun and then he tried to shazam it yeah. and it's not even out yet but it was just it was so satisfying when iggy sang those first uh, lyrics it, it just made me and this, this voice i mean that was great yeah, he's such a great guy iggy god what a cool guy on that note <laughs> thank you Stephen hey, gagan no sam dude thank you Thanks for listening to this DGA Q&A. 
Check out past episodes of the podcast by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts or on our website at dga.org slash podcast. We'll have a lot more episodes coming your way over the next several weeks, so stay tuned. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to The Director's Cut on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or our SoundCloud page so you won't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.